Welcome partners, all cowgirls and cowboys. We are back. This is the Insatiable Content Podcast, and I'm your host, Vincent Rossmeyer, and we've got a very special episode today. Over the past month, Netflix has released two award-winning westerns, The Harder They Fall and The Power of the Dog, and we're going to give our takes on both today, as well as going over our top five westerns in general. And to hop along down the trail with me, I've got a very special guest today, none other than my friend, friend of the pod, making his third appearance on the pod, Jotty. He hearsays, he doesn't see same Moendo. There we go. Welcome to the pod. How are you, Jotty? Howdy, partner. <laughs> How's it going, man? Going well. Um, this should be fun. So the the spur uh, to hope, which it will hopefully be the first of many uh, puns on this show, for us to jump into this content was you uh, kept texting me to watch The Harder They Fall, and I kept promising to do it and didn't, and I think it's been almost a month now, but uh, finally watched it. Uh, just this week and um, along with The Power of the Dog, which is a new Jane Campion Western. She's a fairly well-known and respected director. Um, but the Both of them are Netflix. Both have gotten a lot of award buzz. We're going to go over both today. Um, and I think, may, at least for me, my reactions to these movies was about as different as can be um, and not in the way I would have um, predicted. But anyway... Jody, you were the one that wanted to get me to watch The Harder They Fall. So what about it made you think that I needed to watch it? So The Harder They Fall, to me, is one of the most enjoyable watches that I've, that I've seen in, I don't know, maybe the last five, ten years. It's just a fun movie. It's so cool, and it's, like, exciting, and it's... Like the characters are great, the dialogue is great. You know, like you you find yourself rooting for both the good guys and the bad guys. You know, it's 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 just a fun ride, and I I I just really really appreciate it for everything from the cinematography to the soundtrack, which is incredible. Soundtrack is acting, just incredible. The, like right, uh, just uh, pretty much everything about the movie to me is just great and enjoyable. Well, and for those of you who don't know, this is a uh, new Western. It was number one on Netflix for quite a while um, and stars an almost all black cast and is just incre- what an incredible cast it is produced, um, produced. And like there's a lot of um, editorial, I think, oversight, too, from Jay-Z Um but the soundtrack is like a mix of reggae, but it's not it's not anachronistic. Like it's not um, something where, you know, the, the soundtrack is uh, contemporary, more contemporary music. But the movie is, I'd say, trying to hew to a very much like 1870s Western type vibe. It's not trying to, you know, do a Marie Antoinette thing where the characters are wearing Air Jordans and things like that. Um, it definitely fits all the Western tropes. Um, so it's 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 a western, which which is something that when we get to the, the power of the dog, I kind of quibble with it being called a western. But this movie like fits all the western tropes, you know. And and you know it it having an all black cast, you know that is important. But I wouldn't yep. say that this is like a black movie. No, you know? no. Like I, I think you could have put any, you know, any different race of people in any of the roles and it would have been um you wouldn't have to have changed much to the to the dialogue or to 
anything really, you know, and it, and it still would have worked. Completely agree. And I, I mean, I think that's really cool that we're, you know, like that you're making that point that like, it's just a good movie. I actually really, right. really enjoyed this too. And I'm glad you recommended it. I'd had some other friends say that it gets like the beginning was good, but then it gets a little slow. I didn't find that at all. I mean, I think it has a lot of predictable beats that Westerns have. Like I sort of for saw the ending coming and I think like the thematic elements, the plot elements are a little light um, as opposed to just sort of like John Wick being visually stunning and like having really good action sequences. Um, but I thought it was tremendously enjoyable. And for, like the quality of Netflix films has gone up so much. The fact that this is a Netflix movie, this like very well done. And to me could have like sh- should have been in wide release. It, it was, I, I almost think like it would have been better to see in the theater just because the sound quality and the the scenic a, a, atmospheric landscapes that were shown in the movie would have been better on the big screen. But like, just to give a little background, it stars Jonathan Majors uh, as a character named Nat Love. Um, it had the main, his main nemesis is Idris Elba. Uh, Regina King is in this. And then to me, uh, and I'd love to get into this with you, Jody. Zazie Beetz, who I saw first on Atlanta, and then Lakeith Stanfield are both in this. I, I want Lakeith Stanfield in everything. He's like, he's just my favorite actor. Uh, he reminds me of a friend from high school, too, uh, my friend Menlik. But he is just, because he just has this, he is like the coolest actor to watch. He just has a vibe that like, I don't know, like it just, I find him mesmerizing and charismatic in a way that few other actors like I feel that way about and of course Idris Elba just is you can't take your eyes off of him anytime he's on the screen right yeah there was there was so much star power and charisma in this movie you know like like, you know what you were saying about Lakeith Stanfield I thought this was his most charismatic role yep yep I thought I thought he came off best in in this role you know like and, and he and he had like these you know like little witty one-liners, you know, everybody did, but he had a, a bunch of witty one-liners, and he wasn't, he didn't try to sell it too hard. Yes, yes. As if, this is who I, I am this character. I say these things, you know, like when he was, when, when they first got on the train at, at the beginning, when they were um, going to break Idris Elba out, um, and, and uh, the some somebody stood, uh, stood up to them and was like, get off this train, you motherless scum, or something like that, and he said, ah, the hero. Great spirits. Why is there always one? You know, like that was just the way he delivered it was hilarious. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's it's so well put together. I think one of my big takeaways is, um, you know, it's it's not like this is in line with some of the other westerns we're going to talk about later in in our top five or like it's not something that's trying to make a message like there will be blood about like this is the way of all american expansion and blah 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 and this is what the west was really like um it's it's i think much more on the line of entertainment but god damn it does that really well i think to me there's a lot of quentin tarantino influence in this and sort of and also just like you know you can't reference quentin tarantino Quentin Tarantino without also referencing everything that he references. So there's a lot of like 70s movies, um, like references in the way even the um, the text is put up. The typography on the screen is is just very much like in a 70s style. And like I thought this borrowed heavily from Django and some and even Kill Bill. But um, 
that isn't to deride it. It's uh, just to say that, like, this is a movie that I think is very clear and obvious about its references. Um, and for the most part, I think that's for the better. Agreed. I'm a I'm a Tarantino fan. Um, so and I think uh, they picked up on a lot of Tarantino like dialogue. I don't think it was like an exact replica of Tarantino dialogue, but I feel like they like you said, they were influenced by Tarantino and, and the way that he writes dialogue. Yep. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a positive. Yep. So uh, what else about this movie would you rec- uh, would you say you would cause you to recommend it to people? Well, so, so there's a lot of cinematography elements that I really enjoy. Yep. So the scene where uh, Regina King's character, uh, Trudy, is on the, on the horse, on the train tracks to try to force the train carrying Idris Elba to stop, it starts with an overhead view where you see sort of Regina King's head and the train in the distance, and it slowly pans down where you cross her and the horse, and then you're looking underneath the horse at the train as it's a lot closer now. Yep. You know, just little little things like that. Or when um, when Nat Love uh, first gets into the bar and and sees Stagecoach Mary, and Stagecoach Mary is banging the rifle yeah. on the floor to the beat as she's singing the song, and the camera starts with like a like a medium far um, look at Nat Love, and every time she bangs it on the on the ground, it zooms in quickly. Yeah, zooms in quickly, so it does it like three times. So at the end of this shot, you're you're, you're close up on Nat Love, but it was in time with the beat. It was it was just dope. Like there, there's a lot of just little cinematography things like that that I thought was just very cool. Yeah, and to, that sort of goes to my point of this is like a. This is Netflix taking it to the next level. Like, don't don't you feel you've seen Netflix movies? Like, there was that one I forget what it's called, but it was it was with Issa Rae. Um, anyway, it's like a romantic comedy. Like a comedy. And, yeah. yeah, and it's just yeah. it was just like yeah. this looked like it took two weeks to film and edit. Like, you guys are not putting in. Like, you probably shot every scene three times, and we're just like, oh, I'll just take the best cut. This is like a right. professional movie. Oh, and we didn't even mention Delroy Lindo, who's just like the sheriff in this right, and is awesome. Right. I mean, I I agree. It's just nice to see a professionally put together movie where everyone cares and um, is also like into it. And then, did, you know, they, there's uh, to the point of this being an all black cast, there are subtle things in there that I do think are very targeted to that audience. Like there's a train at the very beginning that gets hijacked that is uh, called the um, uh, C.A. Bozeman, which is a reference, of course, to Chadrick Bozeman, who uh, died last year, but is a very famous actor. So there's just, it's a very smart movie and just great entertainment. And there's just sometimes where it's like, when a perfect entertainment is done, like when something is done this perfectly, it's just like, you don't have to over critique it or anything like that. Another another reference in that same scene that you're talking about with the train, when um, Regina King's character is there on the ridge looking at the train before they go to stop it, and Regina King, they close up on her hand, she has it raised, and then she sort of does like a um, she she points over to her right with, with her thumb up and her index finger extended, 
And that harkens back to the movie Malcolm X. Yep. Where um, when Malcolm brings the fruit of Islam out to the police station to uh, protest the, the police brutality incident that happened with, with one of their brothers. And they finally, uh, Malcolm is satisfied that the brother is taken care of and he disperses the fruit of Islam by doing that exact same movement with his hand, you know? Yep. Um, there, were, there were little things like that as well that I thought were uh, references to certain little black culture things. Uh, I, Yes, and there's just little, there's little nuggets like that tucked in through the whole movie. It's it's really excellent. It was it's beautifully shot, as we said. Um, so I think we're coming away with a pretty strong, positive review of this. Now, why don't we get into the other movie that's more recent? Wait, now, hold on, wait, hold on. Before before we do that, okay. This movie was not. This was not a perfect movie. No, so no, 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 no. There way. are there are some issues that I had with the movie. The plot particular oh the plot i mean the the ending is so clear like the the whole thing is a revenge thing where it's like there's no (laughs) the the revenge is just like it propels the movie but it's not ever really justified until the very end and at the end it's like really okay at least that was for me oh i thought that was cool okay that was because that part i did not really see coming I did. I, did. I was like, oh, what else could it, it? What else could it be? There's like, there was nothing else in any of this that explained any of it. Like, so yeah. So then, what were your problems with the plot? So they had literally no plan. Once they <laughs> that true. Bucked, that is true. <laughs> once they found out that Rufus Buck was free, they literally had no. They went after him with zero plan. It made zero sense that Stagecoach Mary would just walk into the town. And I guess she was going to talk her way into their confidence. That makes yeah. absolutely no sense. Yeah, like they could have they could have hired any number of people, random strangers, to go check out the town to see if the rumors were true that Rufus Buck was back. Like it made zero sense that they did. And so then um, when they when they went to um, to rob the bank, they had zero plan in terms of zero how plan. they were going to use this money to force Rufus Buck's hand. It was like, well, we got money, so we got something that he wants. It was like, what? That, that's your plan? Like, but to me, that see, was stupid. <laughs> see, this is why, like, this is why, like, I just don't want to overthink it because it, it, it is not a like the plot isn't the point, right? The plot, the right, right. the point is the like the similar to, I mean, with like John Wick. We're, we're talking about someone who's like going after the whole thing is predicated on the fact that his dog died, right? right like yeah. you, you just don't want to overthink these things sometimes. And like if you're coming into this expecting like some of the depth of the movies we're going to talk about later, you will be disappointed. But to me, that wasn't what this was about. Right. And to it's me, it's just a fun ride to like lead us into the conversation about Power of the Dog. I'd much rather watch The Harder They Fall than a movie like The Power of the Dog, which was so disappointing Easy. and so like I couldn't believe that this movie has gotten the Oscar buzz it has and people are talking about it it you know I I felt it was like there will be blood on NyQuil there there was it was so <laughs> subdued it was the the stakes were like the the mood of the movie and um the tenor of the movie and all pushing towards this like thing that, as if we're what we're watching is something really really important and to me it's like this is just like a basic fam- family drama, like that isn't that complicated and um, with a subtle ending, but that doesn't mean it's a deep ending or like that big of a twist. And it wasn't a Western, right? Like it was a movie 
a family drama set in a Western exactly. land, a landscape, exactly. but it had nothing to do with the West. It could have been set anywhere. And it was just like, I, I couldn't, I can't believe this movie has gotten the buzz it has. It, it really blows my mind. Right. And as, as I'm watching this, I'm, I'm thinking, well, there must be some deep metaphors here that I'm missing. I know. <laughs> a rope must be some deep metaphor for something that, you know, make, that that makes sense to some artsy type person, but I'm just missing it or, you know, but I, I don't know. It just like I felt like nothing happened. You know, I mean, things happened, but there was no plot. There was no yes. story. There was no it, it was like just people did things and then the movie ended. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it was. It was yeah, and so to give a bit of background, this movie stars Benedict Cumberbatch, who I will say, I don't mind as an actor. He does not fit in this role. He is he to I me agree. like his he, accent was horrible. His accent was horrible. He sticks. He doesn't. He, there's nothing about him that looks like a cowboy, right? Like he's too. Uh, you know, it, maybe it's just my bias and knowing that he's English and like has the, had the career he has, but I just couldn't buy him. He is the brother of this. Uh, uh, character named George Burbank played by Jesse Plemons who I love in everything he's ever in uh, you've probably seen him in Breaking Bad um, uh, he was on um, uh, Black Mirror a, a very famous episode of Black he's Mirror he's a great actor Fargo um, and then Kirsten Dunst basically Jesse Plemons character marries this woman Kirsten Dunst who has um, I would I would say probably a son who is on the spectrum I think is like the unsaid diagnosis that he probably has autism um, and basically Benedict Cumberbatch is uh, is the brother and he's just not nice to uh, Kirsten and he thinks she's like trying to mooch her way into the family and that's it that's the plot he's just not nice um, and we have two hours of this in a like very slow scenes, very repetitive. And then he sort of develops what may be a homoerotic relationship with Kirsten Dunst's uh, son. Um, but it's like, it doesn't quite get there. And on top of that, like Brokeback Mountain exists. So this isn't like charting new territory. Um, and it's, I was just immensely bored and I just couldn't, I was looking at my phone and I just didn't think it was very well done. And it had nothing to say about the West, nothing to say at all about like, the mas- toxic masculinity that sort of drove the West or the myths of American power and, uh, you know, like unfettered expansion. Like it just, it was not a good movie and it shouldn't win anything. And, and it didn't have any of the classic Western tropes, you know, no shootouts, yep. <laughs> hardly any guns, you know, actually I don't think there were any guns in the no. movie. No, no. And uh, the, the, the deaths that occur do not come from guns and not saying that like every Western has to have like tons of violence, but like, I don't know. Tell you me what the, at least have a shootout. Right, what was the point or, of this? Or a gun. <laughs> what was the yeah? Like what was the point of this movie? I I don't know exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I, I will disagree with you in terms of Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, casting because I think he's supposed to see in the son. I think his name was Peter. He's supposed to see himself. Sure, I believe. Sure, I believe he. he was that guy when Bronco Henry took him under his wing, you know? So that's why I think from a casting perspective, at least from a, uh, physically, I think it worked. Um, but yeah, in terms of like his accent and everything, he, he was terrible, but physically I think he fit the part. Sure. Now wait, now we, we, the spoiler, spoiler, Peter killed Phil, right? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, yes. Okay. There's, right. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Yeah. If, if you didn't want to know the ending, you shouldn't have listened to just that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing is like, but again, that's, it's, it's done where it's like not overt. We're trying to make like a subtle statement, but it's like, okay, like you didn't like, just because you like, don't make something like very obvious doesn't mean it's deep. I, I don't know. I just, it was, and also just the simplicity of it. It's like the, uh, the brother character dies, Benedict Car- uh, Cumberbatch's character dies. And therefore everything is now Betty better with their marriage. Right? Like I was just like, okay, this is way too simple. And suddenly like her raging, uh, alcohol addiction is just cleared up. This, it just did not work for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty silly. I will say the movie did a good job of keeping tension Yes. Between the characters throughout the whole movie. Like there was like you always I always the whole movie, I was expecting something to happen, you know, like based on the tension between um, uh, the brother, Phil, Benedict Cumberbatch's character and um, the the wife, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character. Uh, You know, like I was expecting something to happen. And then the tension between um Phil and the son Peter, you know, like there was early tension there, you know. Sure. Um, so, so I, I was always, and then there was tension between the brothers as well. So, this, but in terms of like uh, holding a, a level of um, thriller-like tension, but I think that's all that the movie is. Yes. Well, and I don't to- think there's anything more to the movie than that. And to me, part of that was just the fact that the soundtrack is pretty good. It's all done by, uh, I believe, Johnny Green with the guitarist from Radiohead who does a lot of soundtracks. But like the tension was provided as much by the music. And if you have a different score, I don't think the tension would have been nearly as much. Anyway, um, why don't we now get into our top five? Um, So yeah, recommend Harder They Fall. Don't recommend Power of the Dog, but Power of the Dog will now just watch. We'll probably win like Best Picture because that's the type of crap that the Oscars do. Um, All right. So we're going to each give our top five uh, Westerns. Um, We'll try to do this relatively quickly since we went long on the two movie reviews. Um, But just West, just to like say Westerns are one of my favorite genres. I've always been obsessed with the American West, whether it's novels um, or even studying it undergrad in American history. So I love this topic and, and, and I'm excited to hear your top five list. So what's number five for you? All right. Well, I have I have my list in no particular order. That's so, fine. Um, I'm going to start with The Heart of They Fall. I love <laughs> this movie so much. I've seen it already like probably six or seven times already that I love the movie. I can watch it anytime, any day. Um, next, I have The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Classic. Classic another movie. Yep. Yes, another movie I love. I had the DVD of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and The Hustler, and I used to watch those two movies all the time. All well, the time. The, yeah, it's fantastic. The score is, you know, is iconic. You hear it all the time. And right. I also, since you brought that up, I will give two well two of mine that are just outside my top five because I, I just like this genre too much were sort of a tie one of one them was Unforgiven which is just a fantastic movie with Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman and to me it's Unforgiven or The Good, The Bad, The, the Ugly or the best Clint Eastwood performances but both he's sort of playing with the cowboy arch, uh, archetype and you know like whether this person actually is 
someone enacting violence ultimately for the uh, the greater good, um, and or whether or not it's just like we're just we're like these movies sort of really scrape at the notion that um, American expansion and imperialism were necessarily benefits. And to that point, too, my other, the other one that just missed my top five list was High Noon, a, a very famous old Gary Cooper movie that I, I can't recommend enough. It's very short, but um, it's one of the best Westerns ever uh, and all about has a very subtle pacism, pacifism message um, and sort of really laying bare just how brutal the West could have been and that it, you know, the way we glorify the violence of the West maybe reflects something wrong with us as a society. Um, anyway, what else is in your top five list? Um, I think Unforgiven is overrated. Oh! We can get into that, we can get into that at another time. <laughs> well, tell me why. Uh, I just, I, I, I didn't think and and i haven't seen it in a long time i I saw it twice i saw it the first time because everybody was raving about it i watched it i was like okay it was it was all right it was you know it was a fine movie and then i watched it again just to make sure and i felt the same like eh, it was all right but i mean i'm 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 have to watch it again to give you more specifics about it but i just wasn't that impressed with Unforgiven, especially the way that I think it won Best Picture. Everybody puts it in that top, you know, they do, yeah. movies of all time. I just, I just don't see it. I, I, and in fact, I'll watch it again just to have more specifics to give you. But I just, when I watched it, I wasn't impressed. All right, that's fair. All right, so what else is on your list? All right, Tombstone. Good movie. Which. Man, I, so many one-liners in Tombstone and Doc Holliday, uh, Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday, just an amazing character. Uh, love that movie. Uh, no Country for Old Men. All right. Which, which I don't necessarily know is a western. It's a western. I think, I think you put it in as a western, so I was like, all right, well, if you're gonna say it's a western, I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> well, and we can now jump into our discussion of this because that's my number one Western of all time. I, it's one of my favorite movies. It's in my top five movies of all time. I think it's perfect. And I love the book, but I think this is like a better, the, the movie version is almost a better adaptation. It's the Coen brothers at their peak. Oh my God, this movie is perfect. Um, you know, it, it really, it really is. Um, the, the the way that the tension builds in this movie to the very iconic scene with Woody Allen, or I mean Woody Harrelson in a hotel in Texas, about to be killed is just like I. There are few movies where I have ever felt as tense as that as I as I did in um, that movie, and it's just has some of the best performances ever. Javier Bardem is. So fucking terrifying. So great. I mean, just that movie. absolutely terrifying. And Josh Brolin really with this, like Josh Brolin just playing with this, like uh, does like, are you doing something good? And does do good things happen? Is there like, is there sense in this universe? Like, cause that's really what the Javier Bardem character brings is just this overriding like chaos. And he's just a chaos agent and saying like, there may not be meaning to anything um and violence may just happen without it having a larger meaning and if that is the case what does that say about our universe and tommy lee jones trying to make sense of all that i just i mean i'm sure most people listening to this have heard this movie it's just fucking perfect 
that's yeah, it's a great movie. Um, did I say Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Uh, you didn't, but that is also on my list. Yeah, love that movie. Love that's another movie that I've seen probably I don't know 20, 30 times. Excellent movie. The 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 um, chemistry yep. between Paul Newman and Robert Redford as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is just excellent. And it's another fun movie. I think it was the fun movie of its time. It's just just a good it's a good watch, but it's also I would say like uh technically a good movie. You know, like there aren't like the stupid plot holes that <laughs> that exist in um the harder they fall, you know. Uh, it's, it's a good movie, great movie. And very famous and, and iconic in the way it's shot. Just amazing like telescopic lens work. Um and yeah, I mean, it's Robert Redford and Paul Newman at their absolute peak. It's so much fun, the chemistry those two had on screen. Um, you know, uh, The Sting is another movie with both of them that is fantastic. And this oh, has a lot of... The Sting. Yeah, I know, it's exactly. It's a great movie. I mean, a lot of the same vibes there. And in some ways, that could almost be a Western, considered a Western movie. It has sort of elements of that, um, more of a heist movie. But um, yeah. The search or the Butch Cassidy is just fantastic. Um, one other one on my list, the number five would have been Hell or High Water. Um, this would be a more contemporary Western. It is, a, it came out in 2016. Have you seen this, Jotty? I don't think so. I think you'd love I don't it. Think I think I think okay. you'd really, really love it. Um, it's very smart. It's doing a lot to take on sort of. Um, American decline, the uh, and how um, people in the lower there's a lot of political and economic, or I should say, economic politics in this movie, but done in a very, very uh, uh, subtle way, in which uh, basically two brothers are robbing banks to try to like make up um, some money because they're really down on their luck and being pursued by Jeff Bridges, who is a cop, because um, they end up, you know. The plans go out of control, and it just has a lot, of, lot to say on contemporary America um, and where like our morals actually lie. In addition to just being a fantastic watch and um, really smart re-rendering of of a Western of like Western tropes in a contemporary setting, highly recommend it. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, any other ones on your list? No, I think that's it. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, No Country for Old Men, Tombstone, Butch Cassidy, a Sundance Kid, and The Harder They Fall. Awesome. So my number five was Hell or High Water. Number four would have been is The Searchers. This is, I think, the ultimate classic Western. It's John Ford, John Wayne. John Wayne actually playing against type for once and sort of in a role that maybe makes him question his, you know, uber Republican right wing um, um stereotypical male role with all the racism and terribleness that implies like it really pushes a lot of those tropes it's iconically shot like every if you ever see a quentin tarantino movie you can see how indebted he is to john ford with so many shots of like uh through doorways of a dark interior out to a, a very bright exterior those shots all came from the searchers uh can't you you won't go wrong with this movie uh, number three, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid for me. And number two was, I, I cheated a bit here, but said Deadwood, which is, I think, the greatest TV show of all time. It's vastly underrated. It's Shakespearean in its language. It's so beautifully written by uh, David Milch. 
and it has the best character ever on any TV show in Al Swearingen. Uh, so if you have not sat through this uh, three seasons and then the movie that sort of wrapped things up, which was an actually really good TV, uh, a movie based on a TV show rather than like the Sopranos movie, which I, th- I think wasn't, I th- the series will not do you wrong. It, it, it was it's like Game of Thrones, but much higher elevated in the way it's written and thought set in a Western context. Um, and again, really plays with the idea that American expansionism and frontierism was a positive thing. And then my number one, as we talked about, was No Country for Old Men. Go list. Go list. Yeah. So if you have if you're looking for something to watch over the holidays and you love Westerns as much as we do, I don't think you'll go wrong with any of these. But um, start with start with The Harder They Fall, because it's fun. And I, I think it's going to be a crowd pleaser. And it doesn't surprise me that it was number one on Netflix for so long. Well, uh, Jody, I think that is our episode on Westerns. You got anything else to say on this topic before we go? I was trying to think of one of the witty lines (laughs) they fall to end it out, but I'm drawing a blank. So let's just say goodbye. Yeah. Have a, (laughs) have a happy holiday. Um, and we're, I'm still planning on doing a, a, a episode on house of Gucci at some point, just, uh, we'll come in a, a few weeks. Um, but we're, we'll probably take a brief break here on the insatiable content podcast, but we will be back soon and stay safe and healthy. Have a happy holidays. Avoid COVID since it's just raging out there. Um, and yeah, thanks for all the listenership this year for the insatiable content podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Vincent Rossmeyer and thanks again, Jody, for joining us today. No 